Hello and welcome to Mixnerd News. This is where you come to listen to breaking news when it comes to the nerd world. That means we have breaking video game news, movie news, and TV news. If you want to hear about the latest games, the latest movies, and everything else, stick around. Because here's your host Nick from a tiny studio in San Diego. It's me, Nick, the host of Nick's Nerd News, coming at you, not live, not live, we're not live, don't ever think we're live, maybe we'll do a live one day, I don't even, I don't even know how that would work, probably be on Twitch, anyway, how are you guys doing, uh, it is August 9th, episode 274 of Nick's Nerd News, we got some fun things to talk about, um, there was a Pokemon Presents yesterday, Evo was this past weekend, uh, the Barbie movie made a billion dollars. A billion dollars, folks. That's nuts. And then at the end of the show, as we continue going through the decades, we are going to go over my favorite movies from the 1970s. That's going to be a hoot. Uh, you'll notice I've seen a lot of movies from the 70s. Uh, well, realistically, I'm only talking about 10 of them. But... <laughs> Uh, it, it's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, after the 70s, though, things are really going to change with the 80s because I'm going to have seen so many movies from then. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. Uh, and it, it's going to be funny because when we get back up to like modern times, uh, it, it's going to be kind of circle back around back to like how it was in the, in the earlier decades because somehow I've seen less newer movies in general. Anyway... That's not important. That's not what the episode's about. We're going to get all into that really soon. But, as always, there's some housekeeping we got to take care of. I want you guys to check out nixternews.com if you want to. That is a website that we have. I don't know if you've heard me mention it before. Maybe about 275 times. <laughs> no, less than that, realistically. Anyway, if you guys want to you know, subscribe to the show. We have links to all of our fancy podcast places, Spotify, Apple Music, or sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we're on Amazon Music, and we're on iHeartRadio, and I think we're on Audacity, and a whole lot of other places um, that it's crazy to think of where you can listen to me on the go, whenever you want. You can even listen to it right in the browser if, if you want to. It's crazy, right? It's madness is what it is. <laughs> uh, we have a Discord if you guys want to check that out and talk with other listeners. There's also, you know, social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Threads. We're on X, Twitter. Excuse me. I refuse to call it X. We're on TikTok. Well, I'm on TikTok. That's 
You guys can check out my personal TikTok. But just search for Nixner News or The Nick DeFalco, whatever you guys want to do. We're on all the big ones. We're on Facebook even still, surprisingly, right? I mean, who isn't at this point? <laughs> that was a fake laugh. But, no, that's, uh, that's some things you guys want to do. That way you can like, share, subscribe, poke, prod, upvote, downvote, post a star, post more stars, a, th- a thumbs up, a thumbs down, a like, a share, a subscribe. But uh, that's all available to you if you like, if you want. But let's not waste any more time and get right into the news. Alright, so what's going on in the video game world, huh? Well, a lot, surprisingly. So, 8BitDo, the makers of fine, fine video game peripherals, have done it again. They've cracked the code once again. This time, they have created an adapter that allows you to connect your DualSense to your PlayStation 2. So, this new product, which uh, is the 8BitDo Retro Receiver for PlayStation, so you, it, it's the same gray as the PlayStation 1, so, oh wow, you can use it for the PlayStation 1 or PS2. Not necessarily just a PlayStation 2. So, oh my god, that sounds amazing. So, you can, you can link controllers using Bluetooth. It has a USB-C port, so if you need to have a wired connection, make it a little easier. And, like I said, it works with the first two PlayStation consoles. It also works with Windows 10 and 11. And they have... You can use it with several other controllers. Um, for Nintendo, Xbox, things like that. So the DualShock 4, DualSense and DualSense Edge, Xbox Wireless Controller, both the Xbox One and Series XS models, Xbox Elite Series 2 and Core, their adaptive controller, the Wii U Pro and Switch controllers, as well as several 8-bit dough controllers. So this is awesome. It's available now, and it's literally only $25. Oh my God, is this amazing. I want to buy this just to be able to play on my PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 with a DualSense or even an Xbox controller. (laughs) I don't know what that laugh was. (laughs) Anyway, moving on, moving on. Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3 has officially been announced. I don't know who's making it, though. It can't be Infinity Ward because it's not an Infinity Ward year. I don't think that, you know, they would give it to Treyarch, so it's probably Sledgehammer, if anything, or Raven, uh, considering they're both support studios. Maybe it's Infinity Ward. I don't know. But they teased it with a Makarov trailer, so he is back as the big bad, just like he was in the original Modern Warfare 3, obviously with a different spin on it, because it's the new Modern Warfare timeline. Uh, And it will release on November 10th, Uh, And they did tease more information will be revealed next week on the 17th. So obviously we'll be not talking about that on next week's episode, but the week after that. So stick around for a couple weeks if you guys want to hear whatever gets revealed about Call of Duty next week. Uh, We also learned that Red Dead Redemption is finally hitting all modern consoles. 
as it has now been released for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 5. So, uh, no PC port as of yet. I think it's already on PlayStation 5 and anything about it. At least it's coming to PS4 and Nintendo Switch on August 17th. So, again, next week. Uh, the 2010 Western game, which was a... Uh, which Red Dead Redemption 2 was a prequel to, both a prequel and a sequel, technically. Uh, it's not a remaster, not a remake, but it is just a conversion to modern consoles, technically. It will cost $50, though. No word on PC or Xbox versions. So, I mean, you can technically just play it through, you know, backwards compatibility. So, don't really need it on Xbox, technically. But... It is now available on PS4 and Switch. I don't know why it's not on PS5 yet. That's what I'm trying to figure out. But obviously some people were upset with the $50 price tag, which, again, it's it's strange for a game, uh, let alone a port, to come out over 10 years later and still cost $50. Enough that, that people are protesting. Uh, I don't know if they're not buying it. It doesn't have new features, things like that. So, a lot of people have made comments online. Who knows if if it really happens? People are calling it a cash grab, which is kind of weird because it, it it's like Take Two doesn't need money, right? Like look, look at every copy of of Grand Theft Auto Five they've sold, and and realistically, I, they have a ton of money. So, I, I guess in a recent interview with Strauss Zelnick, the head of Take Two Interactive. Uh, was He was talking on, actually it was an earnings call. He said that, quote, that's just what we believe is commercially accurate price for it, unquote. They go into more and PC release and other questions, but I, I um, it's very interesting to see that they think that it's the commercially accurate price. Like, no, no, not really, especially for digital versions. It's not a physical game. I don't think they should charge that much for it. I mean, they could have sold it for like 25 and it would have sold gangbusters probably. Uh, Strauss got a little more candid about the state of the industry, though. And he talked about backwards compatibility on next gen. Uh, he said it was a benefit, not a must-have. So given that, you know, the next Nintendo Switch might come out, he said that, quote, a benefit to consumers. You'd be surprised if platforms didn't offer that with an upgrade that is sort of mid-cycle. However, I'm not certain it's a must-have, uh, unquote. So, he, they asked him about what he thinks about the Switch. He doesn't know, or the next Nintendo console, he doesn't really know. But he said he would be a supporter um, with the next system, just like they were on the Switch. Again, I, I don't... I think I think backwards compatibility is a must-have because not everyone is going to be able to get it right away. But on the flip side, for people who are early adopters, there's not going to be a lot of games right away at launch, just like we saw with the launch of PS5 and Xbox Series XS. So whatever is next from both should have some kind of backwards compatibility so people can play some of their old games because they can't necessarily have multiple consoles hooked up at the same time. Uh, someone even asked him about what he, how he felt about, like, there's been buzz going around about a potential PS5 Pro. I, I don't know if that's really happening. Developers haven't been told. 
but he said, quote, all depends on what the mid-generation upgrade would look like. Generally speaking, the mid-generation upgrades haven't really changed much and aren't all that meaningful, uh, unquote. So I, I somewhat agree with him. While the PS4 Pro and Xbox One X were, were a little bit different in terms of the past, usually they, they refer to something that's like a slim, right? We got the Xbox 360 slim. We got the PS3 slim. We ended up getting two slim versions of both of those consoles. There was the the PS2 Slim back in the day. Uh, Xbox didn't sell enough to get like a slim version or anything like that. Uh, there were slim versions of the PlayStation 1. There's been... Uh, we didn't really do anything like that, but technically the Wii U was could be considered a mid-fresh, mid-cycle refresh uh, upgrade, quote-unquote. So who knows? It's a very interesting for sure, but we'll see if that happens. Uh, moving on. Let's uh, see what else is going on. Xbox, the Microsoft acquisition of Activision has been approved in New Zealand. What was expected to be another potential hurdle for them in the same vein as the UK has passed without any issue in New Zealand. So as, as of right now, I think that counts for Australia too. As of right now, they really only have the United Kingdom. And that's going to, an, they have extended some a deadline with them. They're working things out. So I'm sure an announcement will be made on that sometime soon. There was also a Pokemon Presents yesterday with a lot of news for the upcoming DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet as well as Detective Pikachu. We learned that Pokemon Path to the Peak is a new animated short series. I think it's going to be online about playing the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, there was a new trailer for Detective Pikachu Returns, the sequel to the first game. That will be out on October 6th. Pokemon Horizons, no real word on when that new anime will drop, but it is listed as coming soon. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Pokemon Go will be getting Paldean Pokemon from Scarlet and Violet next month. Uh, Pokemon Trading Card Game and Pokemon Stadium 2 have been added to Nintendo Switch Online as two classic games. Mew and Mewtwo will be coming to Scarlet and Violet. Mew via a mystery gift, which you can get now, I think, with a special code. And Mewtwo coming a little later in a Terra raid battle. And that, uh, if you use Mew, something special will happen, they said. Uh, and then Paldean Wins was a new web series that was announced. Similar to what they did when Sword and Shield came out. They did like a web series that kind of gives you an idea of, of like the world of, of, um, oh man, what was the, oh, Galar, Galar, so they're going to do that now, I know it's like a year later, but it, it's still something, right, <laughs> uh, and then we got a new trailer for both DLCs, the Teal Mask, and the, uh, what's it called, I forgot the name of the second DLC, look at that, huh, and what are we going to call it? It is the Indigo Disc. That's what it is. So the Teal Mask will add several new Pokemon and uh, brings back a lot of returning Pokemon that were not available when the games first launched. So the new Pokemon, we mentioned these earlier. These were announced during the first reveal. Monkey Dory, Okie Dory, and Fizandipity, as well as Ogre Pond. Well, a new evolution for the Pokemon Applin from Sword and Shield has been announced. This is called Diplin. It looks like a candy apple. Um, 
Oh, that's funny. So Applin was a, is a Pokemon that has like a dragon worm inside of it, and then it evolves into Appleton or Flappin, and now there's Diplin, which is like a candy apple. Uh, and then we also got some more information. Uh, so the Teal Mask will come out next month, September 13th. And then we got some news in regards to the Indigo Disc. No re release date, unfortunately. But several new Pokemon were announced for that, including Archiludon, who is an evolution of uh, Duraludon from Sword and Shield. So we're getting a lot of Sword and Shield um, evolutions. And then two new Paradox Pokemon, which is continuing on from the the Terror Raid battles they did earlier in the year where we got a Paradox version of Suicune and a Paradox version of Verizian. Uh, this time we have a Paradox version of Raikou, which is called Raging Bolt. The design's been growing on me a bit. I, I didn't like how some of the first images were shown off where it, it, it he looks like he's more based on like a giraffe. Yes, he does look very much like a giraffe or a some kind of... of large uh, sauropod dinosaur, which uh, similar in vain to like the Brontius, Brontosauruses, Brachiosauruses, things like that. Uh, he's got like this weird crest. The purple that used to be like his back cape thing on regular Raikou now makes like a disc around his neck or like a, a plume off the back of his head in some of the other images. He's got... Sp I, I don't know how I feel about this man. They just better nail it with Entei at the end. Uh, and then a future version of Cobalion called Iron Crown. And uh, no release date on those. Those will come, though, of course, with the Indigo Disc when that releases, as well as some new returning Pokemon that were not available in the games when they first came out as well. So that is coming sometime in the winter that will not release this year. So just be aware of that. Uh, and that is that is it, though, for... Uh, Pokemon presents so a lot a lot a lot happened there uh, It looks like some people who have PlayStation 5s Via new beta have gotten the ability to cloud stream games So a new public beta is letting you if you have PS plus premium stream PS5 games at up to 4k So very similar to what Xbox does with uh, Xbox cloud streaming. So What happens this has been reported by uh, Twitter on spotted on Twitter and reset reset era Users in the beta have the options to stream at 720 1080 1440 and 2160 also known as 4k uh, No word yet on what maximum resolution resolution will mean Sony announced it and only several games are available to do it. So if you are part of PlayStation Plus premium and Have that ability you should definitely check it out. See how it is so over the weekend, we also had EVO 2023, you know, the fighting game championship. And several new things were announced in terms of, of fighting games. Obviously the place to do it. Street Fighter VI announced their new DLC character, AKI. Uh, I, I don't know how it's pronounced, to be honest. It was A period K period I. And then a new TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover for gear and clothing. And it's expensive and people are not happy at all. I think it was like 15 bucks, which is out of control. Uh, we also learned some news about Mortal Kombat 1, 
Reptile, Asra, and Havoc will all be playable characters, playable fighters. While Serena was announced as a cameo fighter. Tekken 8 had some had some things to show off. Raven was announced as returning to the franchise. And then Azukena, Azusena, was announced as a new fighter. Fatal Fury City of the Wolves was announced. The first Fatal Fury game in like 20 years, which is wild. Guilty Gear Strive Season 3 was announced with some new DLC fighters as it reaches over 2 million players. Project L, which is the fighting game from League of Legends, uh, showed off more of its fighters for its game. And then Plankton was announced as a playable character in Nickelodeon All-Star Brawls 2. And that game is starting to feel like it's just a Spongebob game with some other Nickelodeon characters at this point. Uh, but that was everything that came out of EVO, if you guys uh, didn't watch. Also, Baldur's Gate 3 released this week, finally on PC. It's coming to PlayStation next month, and then sometime in the future on PlayStation. But, it has already reached one of the biggest games on Steam in Steam's history. It broke the 800,000 concurrent players barrier on August 6th. The peak was at 814,666, which puts it in ninth place in Steam's all-time concurrent players list. It's been chasing down Hogwarts Legacy, Amazon's New World, and Elden Ring. Uh, hasn't gotten there yet. I'm sure it could get there soon as more people get their hands on it after it came out. And uh, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 doing amazingly well, getting great reviews from everyone. Uh, it was announced this week that, that Fallout will be getting a Commander deck with Magic the Gathering. So I fully expect there to be a fully-fledged Vault Boy card and a Pip-Boy card and all sorts of fun um, Fallout-adjacent things and characters and mutants and Death Claws. Sonic the Hedgehog is getting a Sonic and Friends TikTok Shorts show, which I didn't think you could like watch like shows on TikTok, but Jesus Christ, the attention span of, of young people has devolved into practically nothing uh no surprise there i'm guilty of it myself anywho uh the embracer group has announced that they will begin begin shutting down studios after that large two billion dollar deal fell through several months ago so i still can't believe i want to i still want to know what that deal was about but uh spotted on linkedin a lot of people who used to work for uh, several different studios uh, put on their LinkedIn's apparently that uh, they've been shutting down studios or no longer have a job. The first of which was Campfire Cabal. Uh, I don't know exactly. They've only been open. They haven't been even been open a year. So I wonder if they they made the game. Uh, I don't even know if they made a game. They yeah they didn't even get to ship out a game. But, uh, and they got shut down. So that's the first of which I'm sure several others will be announced in the coming weeks. So just be on the lookout for that. A lot of devs might be looking for new gigs. Uh, Capcom has announced that Resident Evil 2 Remake has become the best-selling game in the franchise. That's right. A remake of a, like, 20-plus-year-old game has become the best-selling game in the franchise. Looks like people are yearning 
for Resident Evil 2. Uh, and then our final bit of gaming news here. As rumors have begun, of course, building and building and building about whatever the next Nintendo console may be, uh, we've learned that Nintendo plans to keep Metroid Prime 4, at least for now, as a Switch title. That could obviously change in the future, but as of right now, it is still set for Nintendo Switch. Uh, that is it for gaming. Let's hot on over to Hollywood, see what's going on there. Let's head on up to Hollywood because there is a lot going on despite the ongoing uh, Writers Guild of America strike and SAG after strikes. So, we've learned that Max lost 1.8 million subscribers after they shifted from HBO Max to Max. Probably because people were confused. They killed the old app and didn't tell anyone. Dumbest move ever for them. Well, Warner Brothers has made a lot of dumb moves lately. Anyway, uh, we've learned some new details about what was going to be Ben Affleck's solo Batman movie. And uh, via an interview with Inverse, the storyboard artist for DC, Jay Oliva, said that he had been heavily involved in Ben Affleck's Batman. He said, quote, I've worked on a lot of Batman things, and what was really cool about it was it was trying to tying together a lot of really cool Batman storylines that have never really been explored, he said, unquote. Uh, quote, Ben's story was going to cover something that had never been really covered in comics, but was, rebuild, but was building off storylines in the Batman mythos over the last 80 years and approaching it from a new kind of perspective. Uh, it was very clever, and there were a lot of things about it that I really loved that I wish had come to fruition. It was a really great project in the beginning. Ben had to step away for personal reasons, and I totally understand. But the time that I spent with Ben working on the project was fantastic. Uh, I can't really say too much other than it was a fucking awesome. It was the best. It was amazing. From my understanding, there was a couple of drafts of it. When I was brought on, I don't know whether it was the second draft or something, but it was what Jeff Johns and Ben had shown me, unquote, in talking about the script. Oh, God, in a world... A world I wish we had was the Ben Affleck solo Batman movie where he would have taken on Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke. And it would have been so good. It would have been so good. It would have been so good. Uh, anyway, sticking around with Warner Brothers for a bit. They seem to think that the strikes will end some point in September, which I really don't think they will. In a financial call, the CFO of Warner Brothers Discovery, Gunnar Weidenfels said, quote, assumes a return to work date in early September. Unquote. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. A lot of other things, hopeful return to negotiations. This is not happening anytime soon. I'm not even going to go into the quotes of other people. Warner Brothers is delusional thinking they're going to get back to work that quickly. It's not. It's not going to happen. Uh, Lionsgate has purchased the E1 production company from Hasbro for $500 million. Meaning that now we have learned the Monopoly movie is back 
on the table. Um, <laughs> E1 or Entertainment One. Wow, they've been around for a long time. Um, 1970. I did not know that. Hasbro's only owned them since 2019, though. Uh, they used to go by Record on Wheels Limited, Row Entertainment, Entertainment One Income Fund, E1 Entertainment, and now E1 again. Um, they have essentially been, they've been with Amblin Partners as well. They worked for, oh, wow. Hasbro bought them for $4 billion, and they're selling them for $500 million. Ho, 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 ho. That is a huge, huge downgrade. Um, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Whew. They own a lot of other things in regards to different IPs as well. Hasbro bought them, like I said, in 2019 for $4 billion. Uh, and then they were sold this year for $500 million. That's sad. That is so, so sad. Uh, they've released a lot of films um, over the years. It looks like they only got into movies in 2010, though, which interesting. Um, is that a real movie? So they worked on a lot of the Hasbro films as well. Uh, Nomeo and Juliet, Looper, Escape from Planet. Oh, these are terrible movies. Now you see me. So they've worked on a lot of movies. And uh, now they're going to be owned by uh, Lionsgate, but they'll continue to work with, uh, I guess, with Hasbro and Paramount in regards to the, you know, G.I. Joe and Transformers universe as well. Hey, they released the Fablemans. I did not know that. So they, they, they've made a lot of movies. Um, they work with A24 as well, so... It looks like they're going to be under the Lionsgate uh, banner now. And Lionsgate makes a lot of great films as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we've also learned that Jonathan Major's upcoming trial uh, in regards to his arrest earlier this year has been moved to September. As of right now, though, he's still expected to appear as Kang in several upcoming Marvel projects, uh, one of which is Loki Season 2, which is already in the can and starts, will start to release in October on Disney+. A lot of Disney Plus stories, so I spread them out. I don't want to bore you guys for uh, a long time at the same time. Anyway, Barbie hit a billion dollars this past weekend. In 17 days, Barbie hit a billion dollars at the box office. It has taken the world by storm. Are you in shock? I'm not. However, however... There's a lot of things we can take from this. It's the first movie helmed solely by a woman director to make a billion dollars. So props to Britta Gerwig there. You know, round of applause. Round of applause. And uh, secondly, though, what does this mean for Hollywood, right? Is Hollywood going to take the right lessons or are they going to take the wrong lessons? Obviously, they're going to take the wrong lessons. Apparently, there's a Crayola movie in the works about the crayons. Mattel has already announced a slew of movies on their properties following, you know, Trent. Look, when it comes to Hasbro and when it comes to Mattel, obviously the Transformers translates to being getting a movie adaptation more so than like Hot Wheels and, well, Barbie worked, so I'm not going to criticize that anymore. But, you know, Hot Wheels and the Magic 8 fucking ball. 
Why is the Magic 8-Ball getting a fucking movie? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a strange thing that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't fucking get it. I, uh, Crayola? I don't need a crayon movie. Why do, why do I need a crayon movie? Nobody needs a crayon movie, right? Unless it's like Harold and the Purple Crayon. That makes sense. Then again, not everything needs to be. Hollywood does not want to take any more risks. And that's partly why this whole writer strike shit is going on. That's why they want to use AI. They don't want to take risks anymore. That's why all these IPs are turning into things. That's why the indie film is, 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 is a dying breed. It, it's why you don't get a lot of mid-budget films. It's either low or high. It is, it's wild. And good lessons could come from Barbie. Good lessons. But they're not going to take those lessons because it's Hollywood and it's about the bottom line. Um, anyway, Louis, Louis Leterrier, the director of a couple movies that have come out recently, uh, he actually directed the Hulk movie. The Incredible Hulk, that was the, the movie that starred uh, Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. And it's technically like the second MCU movie right after Iron Man. Well, he said that there was almost a sequel made. I don't know how that would have happened because Universal still owned the rights. But we almost got a sequel to the Hulk and possibly with Edward Norton again. I wonder if that would have been before Avengers or after Avengers though. Speaking of sequels, Emily Blunt has allegedly read a script for a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow and said she is very ready to make that sequel. She says she is not the holdup. I don't know if that means she's implying Tom Cruise is. I, I thought they won at the end of that movie, so I don't know how a sequel would necessarily work. But Emily Blunt is ready to make a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow if the phone rang and the strike was over and they said let's do it. Warriors come out to sing. Was that good? Did that work? Lin-Manuel Miranda has met with people about adapting the cult classic film The Warriors into a stage musical. Now, if anyone would be perfect for that, it probably would be Lin-Manuel Miranda because if any stage play that is going to adapt a movie... And, and ultimately use his traditional style of, of you know, hip-hop and R&B influences and singing and, like, rapping and things like that, it would probably be The Warriors. Obviously, I changed the famous line, Warriors come out to play, but that, that might actually work from Lin-Manuel. I think that would work. The Writers Guild of America and the AMPTP, the American Producers Guild, whatever they are. I'm not even going to, I don't know. Anyway, the American Motion Picture Producers Association, something like that. They met, um, they met with the Writers Guild of America on Friday. Apparently nothing happened. So it uh, looks like they were able to start negotiating again, but I don't know if the negotiations are going to continue as we reach 100 days of striking for the writers, and the actors, of course, are still on strike. Uh, the Little Mermaid has announced will hit Disney Plus on September 6th, so if you didn't see it in theaters, that will be your chance to watch it. Uh, David Ayer was speaking with James Gunn recently, I guess, 
and he says James Gunn is confident that the air cut of Suicide Squad will release at some point in the future. That there might be a time and place for it. So, this is interesting. I would very much, very much enjoy an air cut. Apparently it's supposed to be very good before that, uh, that company that makes movie trailers got a hold of it and cut it all up. But it uh, apparently James Gunn is on board with it, and he's spoken with him. So a image of Jared Leto's Joker was posted on Twitter by Ayer, and uh, he said he gave his own version of a TED Talk is what he, he called it. He said, quote, What's your advice, advice on how to navigate the situation with grace? There's a genuine curiosity and interest from a lot of people, and I'm aware of there being another group of people that have fun mocking the film. Your comment is a perfect example of how many are magnetically drawn to discussion 2016 film in a negative way. Have you ever had an experience in life that didn't turn out the way you wanted, that dragged you and made you rethink everything? I have, unquote. Um, He followed up by saying, quote, All I know is my unseen film plays much better than the studio release. The interest in my cut being shown seems real and organic, and Gunn told me it would have its time to be shared. He absolutely deserves to launch his DC Universe without more drama about old projects. In a way, I'm chained to this thing. I'm riding a tiger here and navigating this situation the best I can. Life is a very strange journey. Unquote. Um, and I, I think it's interesting that they've had those conversations, and I, I, I like David Ayer saying, hey, like let him start his thing first before we do any old stuff. So... It can live on in an else world. Ultimately, a lot of stuff is going to be tied to that. And we'll see what happens, though. I would gladly accept an air cut. I didn't. I don't hate the Suicide Squad. Or, I don't want to say the, because the Suicide Squad is James Gunn's movie. I don't hate Suicide Squad. It's not good. I don't hate it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's good in it that got taken from it, right? You know, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. People loved Will Smith as Deadshot. There were a lot of other good aspects of that movie. And there's a reason we got a second film, right? Um, so it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility of it happening. And maybe the air cut will do it justice, just like the Justice League, the Snyder cut of Justice League. But we'll see, maybe in a few years' time. Anyway, uh, I Am Groot got a surprise second season announcement. That's starting on September 6th, uh, episode of Shorts. Sharknado, everyone, is having its 10th anniversary, and it's coming to theaters. Look at that. A sci-fi original is coming to theaters for its 10th anniversary. Oh, my God. Starting next week, a special two-night event in cinemas. Uh, Sharknado's 10th anniversary. It's even got a Barbie-themed poster. So, (laughs) Jesus Christ. I guess some new things have been added as well. Oh, God, it is an Asylum movie. So the Asylum makes a lot of fake knockoff movies, and they did a lot for sci-fi. Um, wow. It's uh, <laughs> fully remastered, unquote. And remastered in 4K, new scenes, new VFX, remix sound, and more coming to Sharknado for the 10th anniversary. So... There is a trailer for it. Sharknado, man. 
Beware of the NATO. They made like 10 of those fucking movies. Fucking Sharknado, dude. Go away. Jesus. What a terrible movie. Fucking god-awful movie. Um, several Marvel VFX artists, or VFX artists that worked on the Marvel films, have announced that they are starting to are planning to unionize. So, and these are VFX employees at Marvel Studios. Uh, will be the industry's first VFX union. Over 50 of them at, at Marvel joined together to file a union election at the National Labor Relations Board. And they would be represented by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE. Uh, quote, from almost half, half a century, workers in the visual effects industry have been denied the same protections and benefits their co-workers and crewmates have relied upon since the beginning of the Hollywood film industry. This is a historic first step for VFX workers coming together with a collective voice demanding respect for the work we do, unquote. And that is VFX organizer for IATSE, Mark Patch. So they go on to say more. Obviously, this is coming off the heels of several news reports of crunch and underpaying and short hours and over understaffed, uh, overworked VFX artists for Marvel on their last few films. And honestly, it's starting to show. The quality of visual effects in Marvel films has, has dropped off significantly over the last few years. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, McDonald's has announced a new promotional tie-in with Loki. So they will be rebranding some of their sweet and sour sauce packs. They've announced a new Loki-themed meal. I don't know when they're going to start selling it. But it, it's all to tie in with Loki Season 2. Uh, and if you're wondering why, in the trailer for Season 2, it showed Sylvie uh, working at a McDonald's in like the 1970s. So, hence the tie-in. Uh, Ridley Scott recently got candid and said he has major regrets about not directing Blade Runner 2049. Uh, even though Denny Villeneuve did pretty well with it. Uh, Adam Devine has spoken up and said that superhero movies have ruined comedies. I... I don't know if I believe that necessarily. There's been a lot of good comedies that have come out since Marvel movies have come out. Um, on this past weekend with Theo Vaughn and reported by Deadline, uh, Adam Devine said, quote, I think Marvel ruined it. I feel like superhero movies kind of ruined comedies because people go to the theater and you expect to watch something that costs $200 million to make and comedy movies aren't that. You're like, well, why would I spend the same amount of money to go watch a little comedy in the theater if I could spend the same amount of money and go see something that is worth $200 million. They still make those movies kind of funny. I mean, they're not comedies, but they're like, oh my god, that, is that a raccoon talking? This is hilarious, which it is, but it's not like a real comedy, unquote. I disagree, because several comedies have made quite a bit of money recently in theaters, and I, I think he's equating that with... There's people that are going to go watch comedies regardless, Yes, the advent of streaming and releasing new releases on streaming has kind of ruined that whole thing. But I used to go see comedies in the theater a lot, and I still will, and I still would. Um, I just, given my current situation, I have to be a little bit more nitpicky when it comes to what movies I, I see in theaters. But I, I get what he's saying. I don't necessarily agree with him, though. And if people are expecting comedies to be $200 million mega-budget movies, then they're just fucking stupid because no comedy has ever been a huge $200 million budget movie. That doesn't make sense. That's not a comedy. 
comedy doesn't need that budget. It doesn't need to have special effects. I don't know. I think Adam Devine needs to like sit back and think a second. I don't. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, the Pixar head of Pixar is not worried about Pixar's future, even though Elemental did uh, not do so well in the beginning, but it's turned around at the international box office, uh, even though it only made. $30 million on opening weekend on a $200 million budget, it's made now almost $500 million globally. So it's done well. Uh, speaking with Variety, Jim Morris, president of Pixar, said, quote, Elemental's opening was certainly disappointing from a revenue point of view. We felt pretty good about the film. We had a higher hope for its opening weekend, so we were all a bit crestfallen. We, had a, we have a lot of different revenue streams, but at the box office, we're looking at it now. It should do better than break even theatrically, and then we have revenue from streaming, theme parks, and consumer products. This will certainly be a profitable film for the Disney company. Unquote. No word there. No worries there. Plus, you know, Inside Out Two is coming, and some other things. I, I think Pixar should rebound. Uh, Sony has slashed their projections for income uh, due to the strike and their major delays of their movies. Uh, Liam Cunningham has said that he has spoken to Kit Harrington, expressing interest in returning to Westeros to play Davos Seaworth once again in the Jon Snow spinoff that HBO is apparently still greenlit. I don't know what the future of that is, but it seems that Jon Snow still knows nothing uh, when it comes to his friends. But Liam Cunningham... If he's back as Davos, I'm going to watch the show. He was great. One of my favorite characters. Uh, Disney Plus has announced a new price hike coming, meaning its second price hike in the span of a year. Uh, Disney Plus without ads will be going from $10.99 to $13.99. Jesus fucking Christ. And Hulu without, out without ads will go from $14.99 to $17.99. This will go into effect on October 12th. And uh, if you want to get the two together, I don't know if they're still doing the whole three bundle, what that's going on, uh, but it'll be $20 for the Hulu Disney Plus bundle as they start to merge some of the content. Uh, at the same time, they announced a password sharing crackdown similar to what Netflix did. This will happen sometime in, in the next year. Disney, Bob, Disney CEO Bob Iger announced today in an earnings call. Uh, he said, quote, we are actively exploring ways to address account sharing and the best options for paying subscribers to share their accounts with friends and family. Later this year, we will begin to update our subscriber agreements with additional terms and our sharing policies, and we will roll out tactics to drive monetization sometime in 2024, uh, unquote. He said he doesn't know how much crackdown, cracking down on password sharing will drive growth, um, which apparently Disney Plus has lost billions since it first launched. But it is a priority. Uh, they said they're going to focus on it next year. Obviously, it worked a little bit for Netflix, but we'll see how that pans out in the long term. Uh, he also spoke about, this is our last movie news here. Uh, this, he also spoke about the recent slew of uh, disappointments at the box office, if you will. So it was asked on the earnings call. About it, And he said, quote, the studio has had a tremendous run over the last decade, perhaps the greatest run that any studio has ever had with multiple billion dollar hits. 
and including, by the way, two that were relatively recent. One in particular, Avatar The Way of Water. We also had a pretty strong performance with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which I think has done approximately $850 million in the global box office. That said, the performance of some of our recent films has definitely been disappointing, and we don't take that lightly. As you'd expect, we're very focused on improving the quality and the performance of the films we've got coming out. That's something that I'm working closely with the studio on. I'm personally committed to spending more time and attention on that as well, unquote. So obviously he's referring to Elemental, to Indiana Jones, Haunted Mansion, which has only been out for like a week. Uh, obviously Ant-Man and the Wasp didn't do as well as it, they had hoped, The Little Mermaid, things like that. So look, when you look at Disney, like he said, over the last 10 years, they've made a fuck ton. And I mean a fuck ton of money. But it, when you look at this year alone, it looks like they're failing. And realistically, they're not. These movies are still making money. To judge a movie off, off one week, I hate doing that. Yes, it, it, it maybe didn't do as well. But when you have other movies that are huge and stacked against it, then like you can't really judge it. Look, look at Haunted Mansion, right? It came out like a week after Barbie or two weeks after Barbie, and Barbie just made a billion dollars after two and a half weeks. You really think they thought Barbie was going to be a billion dollar movie? Fuck no, they didn't. No one thought Barbie was going to be a billion dollar movie. So of course they go and put The Haunted Mansion out. Like, what? how can you judge a movie when it, it goes... That, that's like saying like a movie that came out the same weekend as Avengers Endgame was a financial failure because it didn't make anywhere near enough money despite the fact that it came out the same week or week after Avengers Endgame. That, that's like a stupid fucking way to look at shit, right? That'd be fucking stupid. And, and, and obviously long-term, Hollywood accounting has always been a little fugazi, fugazi. You know, it's been a little strange, interesting. But now, again, this all goes back to shareholders in Wall Street and all this bullshit and their returns. It, it, it's, it's ruining Hollywood. It really is. Um, so, on that note, let's talk about a great time in Hollywood, the 1970s, shall we? <laughs> Alright, so, we did the movies made before the 1950s, we did movies made in the 1950s, last week we did the 1960s, and now, ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, boys and girls, donkeys and horses, cows and bulls, we're doing the 1970s. And I don't know about you, but this is one of the harder decades I've had to do, narrowing it down to 10. So... Next week, we're going to start with the 80s, but because of the amount of 80s movies there are and the amount of 80s movies I've seen, we're going to break it down week by week like action, comedy, drama, things like that, because it's going to get really hard to narrow it down to, to a top 10, and probably at the end of all that, I'll get to a top 10, and then probably once we get to the 90s, I'm probably going to do it by year, like realistically... There's so many movies I've seen that are more recent in the 90s and the 80s. It's, it's going to be 
It's going to be a doozy, my folks. It is going to be a doozy. But let's get into my top 10, shall we? So, starting at number 10, it is the only musical on the list. Well, I don't know. One of the other ones might technically be a musical. I, I don't know. And you'll kind of be surprised at where it is. But at number 10, I have Grease, released June 16th, 1978. Uh, Olivia Newton-John, John Travolta, a lot of people, you know, Grease Lightning, Grease is the word that you've heard. It's got move, it's got feeling. I like Grease. Grease is one of my favorite movies. I grew up watching it, mainly because my mother loves John Travolta. So anytime Grease was on, I would end up watching Grease with her as a young one. I'd watch it on TV when it's on TV. I very much enjoy Grease. It is a fun movie. Uh, do I buy into that theory that like either Sandy or or uh, what what's his name in the movie? I don't even remember what John Travolta's character's name is in the movie. Danny Zuko. Danny Zuko. Hey, yeah. They like died on vacation or whatever it is. I, I don't know. I don't know if I prescribe to that theory. That's a running theory. It's fun. It's who knows. But number 10, Greece, June 16th, 1978. And number 9. I have Chinatown, directed by Roman Polanski, released June 20th, 1974. Faye Dunaway, Jack Nicholson, set in the 20s about, uh, uh, with the water crisis in Los Angeles. It really ties into today's world, too. It's all about water rights and things like that. It is an amazing movie. It is one of the best movies ever made. You should definitely check it out. At number eight, Dunna, Dunna. Dunna, dunna. Jaws, released June 20th, 1975. This would be Steven Spielberg's first theatrical release. Uh, famous for production woes related to Bruce the Shark, uh, starring Roy Schneider and Richard Dreyfus. Great movie. The first official summer blockbuster ever released. Jaws. I know a lot of people that didn't go into the water after this movie. And we're like, Nick, how do you know people? Well, I mean, I'm talking about friends of my parents, okay? <laughs> they were alive when the movie first came out. Obviously, you know, millennials, Gen Xers, they knew the movie was fake, so they wouldn't be as afraid. But Jaws, the first official summer blockbuster film, number eight. At number seven, Star Trek The Motion Picture, released. December 7th, 1979. This would be a return to television after almost a 10-year... Or a return to the screens after being off the air for almost 10 years. Uh, the return of Captain Kirk. Excuse me, Admiral Kirk. Captain Spock and Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy. The Star Trek The Motion Picture is... It, it's so 70s, it's not even funny. There's even like a psychedelic sequence. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting plot. It gave us the first look at the redesigned Klingons. It, it set up the modern of what modern Star Trek would become moving forward. It introduced us to that, that famous song that would end up being used as the theme song for Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, if you've never seen Star Trek The Motion Picture, it is a great introduction to Star Trek, to old Trek, I should say. And if you can, watch the newly 4K remastered version on Paramount Plus. It makes the movie that much better. 
But Star Trek The Motion Picture, number seven uh, on my list. Number six, and I had a lot of debates on where to, what to put at this movie, what movie this should be. Uh, I finally settled on, and the reason I do this, and you're probably shocked at why I put this so high, this movie is very de- near and dear to me. It's, it's, I watch it whenever it's on. It is a goldmine of memes. It is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, released June 30th, 1971, starring Gene Wilder as the eponymous Willy Wonka. It is such a fun and hilarious movie. Uh, this is the movie I said, like, is it, a, is it a musical? Is it not? You know, with all the different singing. Oompa Loompa Doopa Dee Doo. I've got a secret message for you. So, I very much enjoy Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's unfortunate we never got Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator or whatever they were going to do. But, fun fact, in the movie, there's a man who sings the Candyman song. Who can make a sunrise? You know, that whole movie. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. actually wanted to sing in the movie. But... The director thought they would he would take too much out of it, and I, I get that. Um, but it would have been very interesting to see if Sammy Davis Jr. actually was in, if he had actually been in the movie. But moving on, number five, Toga, 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 National Lampoon's Animal House, released July 28th, 1978. Directed by John Landis, written by Harold Ramis, uh, also starring Tim Matheson and Tom Hulse and Stephen First. I can't tell you how many times I watched this with my friends. I This movie is so quotable. It is, if you've never seen Animal House, and yes, maybe it doesn't necessarily age well in some regards. It is a hilarious movie especially in some of the... I was literally quoting it the other day. All is well. All is well. Kevin Bacon is in the movie. It, it, it is such a funny movie. It's one of the greatest comedies ever made. You should definitely check out Animal House if you have not. Uh, number four. Another one of the greatest comedies ever made. He rode a blazing saddle. He wore a shining star. He came to offer battle to bad men near and far. 1974's Blazing Saddles, directed by Mel Brooks, starring Gene Wilder, Cleavon Little, released February 7th, Blazing Saddles. This is by far one of the most quotable, one of the funniest and one of, if not one of the best, the best comedy of all time. Blazing Saddles is damn near perfection when it comes to making fun of things that really are taboo subjects. Race, American exceptionalism, the Wild West. It, it is such a great movie. The first on-screen fart ever. Mongo, it it is. It's true. It's true. It's headly. I 
love Blazing Saddles. I don't want to hear any arguments about, oh, it's not right, it's not politically correct. Like, no. Nobody fucking says that. Blazing Saddles is great. Where the white women at? It is amazing. Number three. I have The Godfather, released March 14th, 1972. Yes, and you're wondering, wait a minute. If Godfather's number three, what's one and two? And don't worry, you'll, you won't be too surprised. The Godfather, starring Marlon Brando, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, also starring James Caan, Al Pacino, in his first big break. You know, it, it, it is the quintessential mob movie. I'm going to make them off where you can refuse. You know, it, it, again, a quotable movie, but a great movie about the Italian-American struggle in America in the post-war period, uh, about the rise of the mafia, again, in the post-war period. It is a fun... Not, no, it's not a fun movie. <laughs> it is a serious movie. It It deserved all of the praise it's gotten. It's based off... The book by, you know, The Godfather by Mario Puzo. You know, he wrote the screenplay uh, for, the, for the, the movie as well. It is a great movie. One of the greatest movies of all time as well. Released by Paramount Pictures. Um, Marlon Brando in, in one of his best roles. And a movie that I love and enjoy and you should all watch it as well. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It is a great movie. And it's, like I said, it's one of the best mob movies ever made. And at number two, I got The Godfather Part 2, released December 20th, 1974. I am in the camp of thinking The Godfather 2 is a better movie than the first one. Um, it... It is, in my opinion. Again, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, this time starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. So, the second movie actually includes flashback scenes starring Robert De Niro as a young Vito Corleone uh, when he comes to America and, and grows his business and things like that, uh, juxtaposed against you know Michael Corleone, now fully in charge of the Corleone family, and moving to Vegas similar to how the mob moved into Vegas and things like that. Fredo, you broke my heart. So, Godfather Part 2, great movie, even better than the first movie. Again, showing uh, the mob and, and their rise to power in America in, in the, the post-war period. If you want to watch an even better version of these two movies, uh, I think they call it the... I don't remember what they call it exactly, but... It, it, it's actually cut together in a way where it starts with all the scenes of De Niro as young Vito. So it's, it's that whole part. Then it's all of Godfather, the first movie. And then it's all the, the, the modern day quote unquote scenes in Godfather part two. So you don't, you're not going back and forth. It's essentially like a, a, a through way of the whole movie and the whole story from the beginning to where it ends in Godfather part two. There's no other Godfather movie after that. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> but no, number two, The Godfather Part Two, 1974. And number one, really no surprise here. It is my favorite franchise of all time. It is 
not my favorite movie in the franchise, and you guys know this, I've gone over that list ad nauseum at this point, but my number one movie in the 1970s, Star War, originally released as Star Wars, uh, later be known as Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, released May 25th, 1977. And I don't really think I need to explain Star Wars to you, because I think you guys have heard me talk about it enough. That is my top 10 for movies released in the 1970s. This was a hard list to make because there are a lot of other movies in the 70s that I very much enjoy. The Jerk, great comedy. 1941, great comedy by Steven Spielberg. Uh, Apocalypse Now, depressing movie. You know, the Rocky and Rocky II. There's uh, uh, Superman, the the first real superhero movie. The Muppet movie, great movie. You know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, Spielberg really came into his own in the 70s. James Bond. While Roger Moore's not my favorite, there were some really good James Bond movies. You got Moonraker. They go to the moon. They have, you know, (laughs) The Spy Who Loved Me. I know the music from some of these movies is better. Like The Spy Who Loved Me, great theme song from Carly Simon. The Spy Who Loved Me. Baby, you're the best. The Omen, my favorite horror movie. The Bad News Bears, a great comedy movie. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Oh, God, a funny, underrated movie starring John Denver, if you've never seen it. Um, Saturday Night Fever, great movie. The the 70s was a a decade of great soundtracks as well. Uh, You also had the first Mad Max released in 1979. Everyone thinks it's an 80s movie. It came out in the 70s, baby. Um, You had uh, Young Frankenstein, another great Mel Brooks movie. The Great Gatsby, uh, The Exorcist, great horror movie. The director just passed away this past week. Westworld, one of Michael Crichton's first adaptations on screen. You know, Live and Let Die, another great James Bond movie. Da-na-na, da-na-na, na-na, live and let die. Um, 1776, a musical about the founding of the, the United States Diamonds Are Forever Also came out in 1971 You know, Diamonds Are Forever Harold and Maude, a very strange, interesting movie, 1971 a Clockwork Orange, 1971 The Omega Man, which was the first version of um, What's that movie with Will Smith? That they're making a sequel to. Um, I Am Legend. Uh, That's based on all that. So there was great movies released in the 70s. The Longest Yard. You know, I like that movie. I like the remake more, though. But before we end, you know, there's the man with the golden gun. Scaramanga, right? So before we move on, I do want to talk about my favorite animated films from the... 1970s so at number five released march 1st 1973 charlotte's pig some pig it's a fun movie i think we've all seen it and read the book at this point at number four an underrated gem and i this movie this movie lives a lot of scenes from this movie live rent free in my head even though i probably haven't seen the movie in like 15 years or more the phantom toll booth um Based on a book, there's the dodecahedron about a kid driving a little toy car, gets drives through like a animated world. 
Uh, that was released November 7th, 1970. And number three, The Aristocats, which I think is getting a live, adi- live action adaptation, released December 11th, 1970. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a cat. Great Disney movie. Number two, The Rescuers, a departure from what we normally knew for Disney movies, released June 24th, 1977. Uh, Bianca and Bernard Mouse as they go to rescue a kidnapped little girl. And uh, number one, Oodalali, Oodalali, golly, what a day. Disney's Robin Hood released November 8th, 1973. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. Oodalala, oodalala, golly, what a day. I love this movie for so many reasons. Mostly because it's probably one of the best Robin Hood movies ever made. And if if they're going to make a live action Disney movie, and I've said this before... They need to make a live-action Robin Hood, but with the tech they use for the Lion King movie, but they do it for Robin Hood, it would make gangbusters, folks. Gangbusters. Make the Robin Hood live-action, Disney, you cowards. Stop making all this other bullshit. Make Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Do it. You're cowards. Um... That's it for my favorite movies of the 70s. So that's it for Nixner News this week. Thank you guys for listening week in, week out. As always, don't forget to check out our website. Follow us on social medias. Nixner News, The Nick DeFalco. Uh, We're on all your streaming platforms. So check us out there so you can listen to us on the go whenever you like. And uh, I'm Nick. Today was August 9th, episode 274 in the books. I will catch you guys on the flip side. This has been a production of Nixner News. Please do not use without implicit faxed permission. And yes, that means with a fax machine. Thank you and have a nice day.